Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Relative Pitch Podcast. We're so excited for you to be back joining us and listening. Um, today, we're so excited uh, to have Dr. Jevin Moore, the Assistant Director of Bands and Assistant Director of the Cowboy Marching Band at Oklahoma State University. How are you today, Dr. Moore? I'm doing well. I'm so excited to talk to y'all today. Yes. I mean, we have been following you for some time. Um, specifically, when I saw um, your dissertation come past Facebook, I saw it on Facebook. I was like, oh, my gosh, um, we have to have her on the podcast. I remember I was sitting on my best friend's couch. It was like six o'clock in the morning and I was just scrolling and I saw like the info and I saw the chocolate maestro. And I was like, yep. Gotta have it. Got to have it. So we're just so excited for you to um, be here with us. Um, can you just give us a little background about yourself and how did you get, you know, where you are today? Yeah. So if you had if you had told me 15 years ago that you got to be a college band director, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> it's like if you had told me that I was going to be doing anything with music beyond college, I would have laughed at you. Um, really? I'm a y- Yes. I'm a second generation band director. Uh, my, my dad w- taught at one of the schools in Tallahassee, Florida for, he's still teaching, but he, he was a band director for 30 plus years. And I watched, I watched him go through some stuff and I was like, nope, you can't pay me enough to do that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, obviously being a musical household, we, we had to play an instrument. So I picked up saxophone in sixth grade and I was good at it. And so I did that through middle school and high school. Um, I got to college. I went to Florida A&M University and I was an engineering student. Wow. And <laughs> I took a calculus class and I, I had a, an engineering like seminar that we had that, that all first year engineering students had to take. And I absolutely hated going to the e-school. I love getting on that bus and going out there once a week. Um, but I dealt with it. But I was also in a marching band. I made the wind ensemble as a freshman and we were practicing a lot that 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 semester. We were I mean, with the with the March of 100, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but we were traveling every weekend, you know, football game, battle of the bands, football game, battle of the bands. That's that's what my weekend looked like. And the wind ensemble was preparing to play at ABA in the, in the spring. And so we were practicing, you know, we'd have wind ensemble rehearsal and then go to March band practice and then sometimes come back to wind ensemble rehearsal. So, and, it, and then practicing on Saturdays and Sundays too. It's a lot, but you know, I loved every second of that. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was constantly in the band room, constantly being surrounded by music and I didn't hate it. And so, that next semester, I changed my major to computer science because I still was like, I ain't trying to do this music thing. <laughs> this ain't for this. This isn't for me. Because at the time, all I knew was if you major in music, you're going to be a teacher. I, I hadn't been exposed to, you know, all the different all the different uh, avenues that you could potentially take within a profession. So I changed my major to computer science. Very different. I know. Right. Um, and I had a a professional development class and we had to do an ass- we had an assignment where we had to present on where we saw ourselves in five years and, and i went to the professor and i said i can't see myself not doing music and so i came up with something something in technology but i knew then that it was time to stop running and change my major be, be a music ed student 
And so that summer I changed my major. <clears throat> my grades went up. My life got better. <laughs> like everything just became easier. And I, I flew through the music ed curriculum. Um, and then I took my, I graduated, when did I graduate? Fall of 2011 and took my first job up in Jonesboro, Georgia as an assistant at a high school. Um, and then I very quickly came back to Tallahassee and started teaching at a middle school there. <clears throat> Spent two years at my first middle school and then five years at my second middle school. Um, and during, during that time, I got my master's in, in music education from Florida State. And then in year, in year five, I was op offered an opportunity I couldn't pass up to go back for, my, for the PhD. And I quit a perfectly good job to go be a, a broke college student again. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Three years yeah. later, here I am. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. Um, I don't know if y'all caught it, but I caught it. She said, and quickly came back to Tallahassee. Yeah. She said that Georgia was not for me. <laughs> she you, said Georgia. You know, I I didn't like it at first. It was kind of a weird, a, a weird thing. Those mid year hires are they're strange. So like, I graduated in December. I had to wait for my certification to go through in Florida and then get transferred to Georgia. So I couldn't officially start working until March, but I moved up there at the end of January. So for a month, I'm just kind of just in, in, in purgatory. Like I knew I had a job, but I couldn't yeah. officially start, work, start working. Mm -hmm. And so I was living in Stone Mountain, but commuting to Jonesboro, which I don't know if y'all know how far, that's, that's a 40 yeah. mile drive one way. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and I just graduated, so I don't got no money. And <laughs> yes. Gas ain't cheap. Um, yes, not cheap. And and the the I was being paid for like I was being paid for two months over four months or something like that. So the paychecks were once I started getting paid, it was real trash. Mm -hmm. But you know, hey, it's okay, we here now. Right. We, we here. The experiences. I mean, so I had the opposite. So I'm a Georgia boy that taught in Florida and okay. it was very different. It was, I will say like teaching in Florida was very, very different. So I can yeah. only imagine like how you felt up here and everything. And I had a, a 40 mile drive to work every day as well. And I'm ga the gas really adds up very quickly. Yes. Very quickly. So, I mean, but do you, you think that that, that kind of feel the deal of like, okay, this is what I want to do. Even in this hard time that it kind of is right now, I still don't want to do anything else. Did you, did you feel that? So I, I tell you what really sold it for me. And I, I, I'm, I'm sad that I skipped over this part in the initial story. My first year in college, um, the CME and C president at the time is mm -hmm. not the collegiate, not a collegiate nap me. I'm, dating myself now a little bit but um he was planning he was planning a trip for the cme and c chapter to go to midwest mm -hmm. so he was he had started fundraising and, and doing all this all this other stuff to make sure that that we could put a bus of students on the road and, and go to midwest and so we he pulled me in and he said hey you want to go to chicago for free i said yes <laughs> like yes. I'm, I'm from tallahassee and you know when when the semester ends everybody goes away. So I'm always looking for something to do after the semester, after the semester ends to kind of buy some time before everybody comes back. 
And so he was like, well, I need you to sell cookies outside of the music building to help us fundraise. I was like, okay, cool. So I went to Midwest as a, as an engineering student and it absolutely changed my life. Mm. I, I never forget. I, I, I sat in, um, the army brass quintet did a session on, um, developing leaders through chamber, through chamber music. And it wasn't so much that like the content of, I mean, the content of that, of that session was great, but I was just like, I was so, so mesmerized being, being in this space where everybody cares so much about this, that they travel from all over, literally all over the world to convene on this, uh, on converging this one place and just talk about music and how we can make, make our students better musicians. And it was an absolutely incredible experience for me. And I have, I missed one Midwest one Midwest since, and that was the semester I graduated because it was it was the same like that was the Friday of Midwest, mm -hmm. and so that experience changed my life and kind of that's when I I was like oh I gotta stop running it's time, <laughs> um, so yeah I, I I hope I answered your question. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, we were talking last episode about Midwest because we brought up you know we had the topic of you know passion. Um, and is it your environment or is it the job that might be an issue? And, and one of my uh, kind of I guess, sentiments was, you know, if you go to Midwest and you were so happy about music and teaching, but then you go back to your job and, and you're like, I don't really like that. It might be the job. It, it might be the environment, not the job, because the job of teaching music, obviously at Midwest, we are so like just enriched and, and kind of revitalized, like, oh my gosh, I can go back and, and do this. Um, so, you know, I always say anybody who's listening, go to Midwest, because I'm like a, a, a young child in the candy store. It's amazing. It really is. I will also say, like, being a flute performance major for the past all my life, like, or all my collegiate life, and the fact that when was the first time we went to Midwest? Was it our sophomore year? Because we, we were in that busted hotel, the Chicago Loop. But like we as a group have gone to every since we started going our sophomore year of undergrad have been going every year except for the pandemic. The one pandemic year, was it? Oh, yeah. yeah, I think. Yeah. Know. But like ever since then, we have that is our we have been all over the country away from each other. And that is the time that we all like come together again, like there. And um, it's so funny because usually I'm walking around, people assume they're like, oh, you're a band director. I'm like, no, <laughs> but like, I like to be band director adjacent. I like learning about like uh, the, the educational values that I can put in my lessons with my own private students. And I also like to learn about the curriculum that I'm, you know, I, this is gonna be reflected in my education and my students' education. And you're so right. Like it's being in a room with people who you're like, we all care enough to be here right now to be learning to because Midwest you don't have to do that as a band director like educators don't have to go to conferences they don't have to do professional development but you're doing it not even for yourself but you're doing it for the benefit of your students to learn those other perspectives and to just like know what's happening like within the field and what are the new things to to try out so I I completely I can see how if you're teetering on should I do it should I not do it should I do it should I not do it going to Midwest will seal the deal like no matter which way you choose you will know once you leave yeah. and you, you you mentioned something about it being the environment of the job I also think that like 
when you leave those spaces of enrichment, of, of, of super enrichment, you have to have, you have to then surround yourself with people that are that are going to continue to pour into you in that same manner. Like, I I think that I'm the I, I'm the worst band director of my friends, and I'm okay with that because mm, mm, mm-hmm. they're really good. <laughs> it's not saying that I'm bad. I, I'm, but I'm, but I'm constantly looking at looking at what they're doing and learning, and 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 they're looking at me and they're and and they're learning. I, I, it's easy to get in spaces where where you just start complaining about what what isn't, and you don't see the, you don't see the positive. So I, I I really think that it's a choice to number one surround yourself with people that are gonna gonna provide some something positive for you. Um, and help you grow mm. and not allow you to stay in the the negative space because there's there's something positive in every in every position that you're in you have to choose to see it and and build on that and a lot of there are people that don't do that and I'm mm-mm, I can't be around skinness because yeah. <laughs> I, I that ain't for me amen like and uh... To, on that, I think the podcast that you are on right now is is a product of that. We three went to college together, and yes, <laughs> a lot of a lot of our peers were of you know complained, and 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 it was just like we did not like that. So our core of us, we were like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're doing this. So we were the first three to go to Midwest. We were, you know, we are always going to these things. We presented at GMEA last year. And it was like, we're always going to the next, you know, level or we're pushing each other to the next level. So you have to surround yourself, yourself around great people. I love that you said I'm the worst band director of my friend group. And you know, what? I'm OK with that. And I am OK with that because I, I really feel that surround yourself with great people. Um, and I think it will really lead to some great, great things coming out of it. But I know watching you just be yourself and, and seeing your your progress is so inspirational. And I was reading your dissertation and you said representation matters. And I think in the last couple of years that has become like a buzz, a buzz phrase, just like any of the other DEI and all that. Can you talk about exactly representation and your definition of that? So I think it, you got to put it in some perspective. And in, in my in my defense, <clears throat> in my dissertation defense, I said some things like I had to run it by my best friend and run it by my parents before before I said it. I was like, I ain't trying to step on too many toes, but I had to put it in perspective for for my committee. And I I said, to my knowledge, I'm I'm the only music educa- I'm the only black female music education student on any level at this at one of the largest colleges of music in the country. I'm the only black female in in any in any discipline. Mm. And that's a problem. And this paper this and part of the issue is you don't see it if you if if nobody says it like cuz this is normal. But the same way that we've worked really hard to make sure that we're programming, we're programming diverse, diverse literature on our programs. You got to look at your actual program, like people sitting in the seats and say, who's missing? Yeah. 
we, we can't we, we can't <clears throat> compartmentalize it to one area of what we're doing. We've got to look at it a little bit more holistically and say, oh, that's not right. Something's missing. There has to be the same intentionality put into encouraging, you know, it, I know we need to encourage everybody, but this is this is my story. That, this, this is my story that I'm telling. So we need to encourage those black females to go to go into the profession so that our profession looks like our programs. Mm-hmm. It, it may. It, I mean, I have yet to be under the baton of a black female. Mm-hmm. My niece, my my now 15 year old, 14 year old and eight year old niece have seen some have seen something in person that I haven't seen myself from the audience. They came to my first concert uh, in my doctoral program. They sat on the first row and I walked out for the first time and I almost lost it because they're like in, they're in the front row and they're like, go teach it, Evan, go teach it, Evan. And I'm like, they they literally seen something I've never seen. They're, they're watching something that I've never watched. Mm-hmm. And I'm this big grown human and something's got to change. Something's got to give. Yeah. That shouldn't be the, that shouldn't be the case. Uh, yeah, I, I just want to bring up because every time someone talks about the idea of you don't know the problems there until you address it, it brings me back to this TED talk that every time I think it's on intersectionality and it talks about the idea of um, you can't address a problem until you identify what the problem is. But a lot of the time, people don't even know that there is a problem to be identified, especially people who are not from that perspective. So for you, you're like, this is my life. Like, this is what I live. And that's exactly what everything that we have been saying about all these initiatives and things that have been going on is like the issue by of having all these initiatives and these things that are being created for representation, accessibility, all that stuff, is that a lot of the time the people in the positions who are creating it don't share that perspective of the people they're trying to uplift. Therefore, there are a lot of like blind spots mm-hmm. within holes that we obviously see within their programming, their initiatives, all the things about who's who's not sitting in the hall um, that they can't or they they won't see without the guidance of someone who's been in that perspective which is brings me right back into my whole thing of it matters who are in those spaces it matters who have those positions who are the people who are creating the initiatives that we're doing because if it's not someone who can see it then nothing's really going to get addressed it's going to be very surface level as it has been for the past God knows however many years, but if, but actually fixing the problem takes someone who can see, who knows, someone who would, who would have already thought we have one of the only, if not the only black female, like in the music field, who's doing a PhD at this level right now, you're probably, they probably didn't think about that. They probably saw you like, oh, this is great. And they just kept moving on, <laughs> to, to be honest. Yeah. So. It was an interesting process for for sure. I mean, my committee chair and, and he and I had several conversations about this. Pat, Patrick Dunnigan, I love him to death. Like that, that's my friend. He's he was he was great throughout that process. But he he said when, when he started, he's like, I don't deserve to be on this committee. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an old white guy, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to be on your on this on this committee because I want to learn. And while I needed him on the committee, I wanted him on the committee so he could see. Mm. Yep. And that's and that's what it takes. Like, 
like when like I'm like navigating these waters for the past couple of years and like a lot of people are. And one of my biggest thing has been you have to know that you did a bad job and you didn't do a good enough job to know how to correct it, to know how to be better in the future. So you can empower those people to end up like Dr. Moore in those positions sometimes to end up like Anthony Morris, end up at like Lauren Green, earning these higher education degrees to then go inspire more people. Right. It's like, that's like the job. If you have uh, the titles, if you have this, if you have this, use them as a speaker box and just push people that need to be pushed into that direction that like give them the gates and be like, go have fun. Like one of my students, she's like, she didn't know she wanted to major in music. And she was like, I kind of like writing music. I said, well, you're in chamber groups now. Write something for your chamber group and you and I will work on it. And we'll get it to where you can perform it on the next chamber concert. And it's going to be your first ever, and you'll be a world premiere and you'll have a premiere by the time you graduate high school. And you did, and you did it on your own. I would just let you know if it is physically impossible for the instruments that you were trying to do. That's the only thing I would do is like, I don't think a clarinet can pop up a triple E. Like you might want to like knock that down a little bit or the horn can't go this low. But that's why I'm just like, I'm like, cause we started a chamber program where I work at a high school. It's kind of like, do whatever you want. If you, if you don't like the music I picked out for you, good. Tell me what you want. I will go find it for you and then put it on your stand. So you and your friends can start working on it. Like it will not hurt my feelings. Trust me. Not a lot of people like the music that I like. And that is okay. Cause we are all different humans at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And we talk about, um, cause be the change if you don't see it. And I want to get your, your, um, perspective on that. Um, because I think, I know me and Lauren, we've talked many times of when I was growing up, I was not under a baton of a specifically black gay male. I, because from my perspective, everybody had to be masculine. Everybody had to be this, you know, uh, kind of stand up, almost militaristic type of, of teaching. And I was like, that's not who I am. That's That's not my personality. So am I allowed to be in these spaces to be here? Um, and I, we talked with Lauren about, uh, about it. And I think we were at Buffalo Wild Wings having a three hour conversation about the, polit the, pol the politics of music. But you know, we, we, were all, we were all having a great time. We were having a great time. Um, and, and she was just saying, you know, looking for a black professional flute player, you know, there's limited searches, you know, for that. And I think both of us, right. And we came up to the conclusion of, okay, we don't see this, so let us be the change for this. And I think that's our perception, but not everybody have that. Not everybody's like, okay, well, since I don't see myself, I'm just going to go over here and do something else. Can you talk about, you know, either be the change or maybe sometimes just ch change the field? Um, what are your perspectives on that? So I, the, the seven women that I, that I interviewed, you know, I talked to all of them about y'all them having to be something that they literally didn't see. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've I've seen it now, and I, now I'm trying to be I'm trying to be like I'm trying to be like y'all. Like I see it from a from a distance. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It's a it's a it's a response. It's a heavy responsibility mm -hmm. to 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 be 
to be that change. Like you feel like you got the weight of the world on you. And I don't know that everybody is is built for that. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, no, it's crazy because I know exactly what you're saying. I, mm-hmm. I completely understand. I've had this exact conversation with many of my friends, but conti- I wanted to just affirm that I completely understand what you're, what you're feeling. Like for for me personally, I, I you know going through grad school, there were there were days where I I couldn't sit I couldn't sit in that grad office. I was like, I just I just can't because there's literally no like right now what I'm thinking there's nobody in the room uh, that gets it. Yeah. Zero people. Yep. And, and you know I I I got to FSU. There were twelve graduate graduate assistants and nine of them were women. <laughs> like that's crazy, right? And I think there were two black men and one white guy, which is crazy. I was like, ooh. <laughs> um, and still, there were moments where I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do. I just need to be in my own in my own space. Mm-hmm. I was going somewhere with that, and I totally lost it. Um, I'm so sorry. Oh no, it totally went away. Can we come back to that? Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, no, I I completely understand that because there have been times and Michael, do you remember when we were doing Wins in a Gual, um with Keeler um, our senior year in Wind Ensemble? Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a moment where there was just a lot going on in my life right, right at that point. But also, like, I remember feeling a lot of, of pressure. And I always said this, that with, especially within ensembles, I always felt like my mistakes counted more t- like against me than others, pe- other people's mistakes did. So like if I heard someone messing up, you know, back in the clarinet section, I'm like, oh, they, are, they have an off day or something. You know, I just throw it up behind my shoulder. I don't really think about it. When I made a mistake, I put it so much on my character. And it was so crazy because I remember having a day where I felt like I was getting beaten down, like beaten. And I had told, I had, we had, there was a bunch of conversations that year about me just feeling like I was overworked and I didn't know how to say no to things. I wanted to be seen as a student who everyone could count on Lauren. Like Lauren's always there. She's always prepared. You don't have to worry about her. And I remember sitting and literally just getting overstimulated with my environment. And I had to stand up and walk out of the rehearsal. And I remember like Keeler looking and like making it like, he was like looking right into my eyes. And I just like looked back at him and was like, I gotta get out of here. Like, it was just a lot happening. I think Michael, you came out and saw me like sitting there, like literally crying outside. Cause I was so overwhelmed with like the pressures I had put on myself in that environment. And also just thinking like being one of, at that point, I can't remember. I'm trying to think of who else was in the ensemble. There may have been one other uh, black female in that ensemble, but whenever I first started, it was just me, like my freshman year and for a good amount of time. And it really does get to you. After a while, you're just sitting there. You're like, why am I the only one here? Mm-hmm. Like, am I crazy? Is it, it like, should I actually be here? Like, and you start overthinking and overguessing, and then you're just, and then that's what was happening. I was kind of unraveling <laughs> while I was sitting there just kind of going, my brain was being like picked apart. And then I was like, I am about to explode. And I had to like separate myself um, mm-hmm. from that environment. And if but, I may, oh, if sorry, I may affirm ahead. you, like, like I just said, everybody's not built for it, but you're in a, you chose to be in an, un- in an uncomfortable space 
so that when you finish in this uncomfortable space, you can go take up whatever space you want and make it yours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I don't take for granted the opportunities that, I, that I've been given to be able to live in a bunch of different worlds that mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily, I, I didn't necessarily grow up in. Uh, you know, you know, my undergrad was at FAMU, one of the most prestigious HBCUs in the in the in the country. I was constantly surrounded by black folks. Mm-hmm. I got to my master's program, was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a lot. And then I got to the PhD program, was like, Whoo. yeah, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go back across the tracks real quick. <laughs> like, I will give me I'll be back in two minutes. But we learn how to live in in this world, so. So that when we get when we get an opportunity for it for it to be ours, for it to be our our space, like and feel like it's our space, everybody knows that I belong here, and this is how I'm going to navigate in it. Mm. And and I know it, it's uncomfortable. My one of my professors talked about being in circle one, circle two, and circle three. Circle one is you know that's home, that's your that's your most comfortable place. Circle two, you're being stretched a little bit. Circle three, you're like ooh. I don't like this. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time in circle three in the last three years. But now I'm out here in Oklahoma. It don't feel so much like circle like circle three because I've been prepared for, for this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, not unfortunately, you got to go through that time of that circle three and make it comfortable. Mm. So that so that when you the next time you experience that level, you're like, nope, I've seen this. Mm-mm. Let me reel this back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was you like I you read my mind because I was literally going to ask you how it felt because it took. I know I'm dumb. It took me like three years to understand that Florida State and FAMU were in the same city, but then also. I was like remembering your path and how you went from an HBCU, one of the most prestigious ones to then PWI. Is that what we call it? And you went to that and it was like very, but it's in the same city. But also I wanted to bring up something that we were talking about the whole, that like Lauren's mistakes count more a friend of the podcast, Wolston, former director of Dutchtown and now director of West Springfield made a uh, powerful thing on Facebook that I love. Cause I do not like this man. Um, Jimbo Fisher, former FSU coach, who's now Texas A&M has yeah. these, actually has a worse record than the former Texas A&M coach who was um, not a white man. And, but everybody is praising Jimbo Fisher right now, at Texas A&M. And Wilson said, you have to be twice as good to get half. And it just like, because like, I never, to be honest, I'm a Georgia fan. Like, even when Georgia was bad, I still didn't look at anybody else. Because I'm like, we just bad. Don't look at us. Like, don't look at us right now. And then like, now that we're better, I'm like, looking at these programs, like texting him, like, your last coach was the same as this coach. Like, but we're praising this one. And all it's, it's like, like, I'm just like, that's like to put it in for people in the podcast, to put it in perspective that it's not all music, but football. Like Nebraska just had their first interim head coach, a black man for the entire athletic department. No coach in the entire athletic department has ever been black. And now it's him. And I'm like, I'm, I don't want it. I, I could not know what it feels like to be in his shoes right now because the team is not good already. First of all, the team is not good. 
And he's having to take that over and be the first of the entire athletic department. So it was like, we now we're in the music field and we're having still having first, like the first person who did this, the first person who did this. I'm like, and we're supposed to be the progressive of society. Absolutely. And we're still having first, like football still having first. But it's funny, like if you look at head band directors, Anthony mentioned this earlier, whole masculine thing really lines up with head football coaches and all these things. It's like if you want to be a head band director and do all this stuff, it's like a head football coach, all this other things. It's I like, you know, putting things together. But no, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the whole like going from HBCU to a PWI and how that helped you and influenced you and, and tested you to now sit in Oklahoma State, which is in Stillwater. Stillwater, yes. Yep. yep. Look at me. Yeah. Look at you knowing your geography. Raging metropolis that is Stillwater. <laughs> <I'm> raging. <laughs> no. But can I? Can I? We go back to that point you were making about like some some people just aren't like the idea of being the change, and there are the, those people who are going to be those catalysts for change, right? And there are people who are like, it is not my job to to bear the weight of what others behind me will have to be. And I, I, it's hard, but I get it. I understand because for me myself, I am that person. If Anthony is that type of person, you are that type of person where if you do not see it being there, you do it. Like it is something in our DNA that literally goes, you must. Right. And I have friends who have been very real with me and they're like, I don't have that in me. I, I don't have I don't have the, the capabilities to do it. I don't have it's not embedded in with, with me to want to be that change, like support it. Yeah, like push whenever it is brought upon me. Absolutely. But to look and see something and go, that's not there yet. So I'm going to create it. It's mm-hmm. a very specific, I think, type of quality that you have to have to be because not everyone is built to be a leader. And that is something I have repeated and I will continue to repeat time and time again, because I have seen the worst of them mm-hmm. and I've seen the best of them. And some of them were meant to be there. It is a calling that you yourself, almost sometimes you have to kind of push away from it, right? I remember being, whenever the leadership position started like be, being a thing, at first I was a little scared of it because I was just kind of like, I don't think I have the authority. And I still do it. I still literally do this to myself now where I'm like, I don't feel like I have the authority to speak on the things that is literally my perspective. And I've had to have mentors who are like, Lauren, you do have the authority. You do have the right. You have to tell yourself that. You have to stop doubting yourself. And once I allow myself to be put in those spaces where I do have like people looking to me to see what the answers are, looking to me to hear my perspective, I've it's a feeling that I can not reciprocate in any other environment that I'm in. And I know it's something that is uncomfortable, but also I know that growth comes through being uncomfortable. You can't stay in the same places and grow. That's just not how that works, which is why we <laughs> jump here, jump there, go back here and move there. Like, so I just, I wanted to bring that up because I, but also at the same time, the people who are, that they don't feel inclined to do that, that is not necessarily that fine. You know what I mean? There are other roles to be played other than that. It is just being able to self-identify, I think is a thing. And that's something that's popped up in the chamber music that we've been doing. Like there's five people, maybe seven max. And people are like, I want to be the leader. And I'm like, if you want to do it, then maybe take a back seat. 
Mm. That's more natural for you than taking a back seat and supporting somebody else who doesn't feel as comfortable. Mm-hmm. We've had some a couple of cases like in my head, it's really like people who want to be leaders kind of scare me a little bit, just a little bit. I'm like, is why? Like, is there something like this? Like, is it the power hungry? And then there's other people that's like that might be feeling like they don't want to be the change, mm-hmm. but okay, but they want to support. They want to help the people who want to be the change, and the people who need to have the who want to be the change need that village. Or they won't make it and they will crack and crumble under it and it might change their entire like life course. And that's like one thing I've been teaching is like less about the music. Cause like honestly, they're just starting chamber music. They're gonna be bad at it. Sorry. That that's a band director thing. The first time you bring out a piece that doesn't have traditional major chords, they're gonna be bad at it. So I'm like, as long as half the groups understand what's going on, that's the goal. But now how does this how is this applicable? to big word SAT, um, to <laughs> real world situations and other things. But yeah. Yeah. Wow. I use a big word. I'm proud of myself. Michael. That's Michael's word of the day. Applicable. That, a word of the week. <laughs> um, and on that, I think one thing that I've had to learn is because I've kind of gotten in hot water. I have to remember that because of my personality, uh, if something is wrong or something is not exactly, you know, how it should be operating, I'm like, all right, we need to change this now. This It needs to work efficiently. Uh, you don't have enough people of color around here. Let's get this in here. Like we've been, we've been to like do it right now. Like it needs to happen right now. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, I've, that is one of my things that I've had to learn is like, uh, hold on, hold on. Let, let's pump a break real quick, you know, and let's first of all kind of assess what's going on and why it's like this. And because sometimes for people like us that want to change, we don't. There's like this, uh, like the iceberg. Um, um, yep. Yep. The little and a lot of things at the yeah, bottom. There's a lot of things under. We don't always see what's under. Because there is usually a root of the problem somewhere deep within. And so mm-hmm. we got to find out what that is before we go, you know, on attack mode. Um, and one thing that I was reading in your dissertation that shocked the hell out of me was the um, HBCU. Um, there's only been seven women band directors after, what was it, 18, uh, was it 1890 something? Long time though. <laughs> a real long time. A very long time. Seven band directors. At the HBCU? At HBCUs. These are historically, for people that are listening, historically Black colleges and universities that are established for Black men and women to go to school. Okay? Only... And there's, there's uh, I think, 180-something institu- HBCU institutions and only seven band directors have been women, women of you, Black women. You're touching a nerve there, Anthony. Because it, it, it <laughs> is, it is a nerve. It, it is well, a nerve for me because, uh, honestly, I think it was um, a couple months ago. I, I've been doing conducting symposiums for the past couple of years. And usually I'm the only black person there. But then after I stop thinking about me, like I'm the only black person, I think about where are my where are my black women at? And at these conducting symposiums too. 
Like, yes, I'm the only black male, but where are black women? Then I think, where are black women within all realms of music? And then I think, okay, well, HBCU, Historically Black Colleges and University, they're there. You know, I didn't, I did not get the pleasure to go to an HBCU uh, for my undergrad. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's there. And then I read your dissertation. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It is not. <laughs> so it was a nerve for me, but I know it's a nerve for you. So can you talk about that? Yeah, and, you know, y'all can listen listen back to this and maybe edit this out. I, I don't I don't personally care, but you know, I've been on after in this last year, I've been on a job market and so applying for jobs, you know, you throw out a you throw out a a, a bunch of applications that and I'm not saying that I'm I was the best candidate for any of these positions, but I applied to several to to several HBCUs. Couldn't get a call. And 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 it hurt a little bit, but I was like, you know, this ain't where I'm supposed to be. And that's okay. That's that that's okay. But it, it doing that research, I was like, if I can't find me in those spaces, do I do I actually have a chance? <laughs> like do little do little Devons have a chance? And and this 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 dissertation came as a result of me thinking. Like, shoot, I don't see me. Like, and that's that's crazy. I mean, I, I think about who I went to, who I was an undergrad with. I think I can count on one hand how many female music ed students there were at FAMU at the time. And I think two of two of us are still band directors. Wow. Maybe three. Um, but I can only speak on, on on my my experience. You know, it's it's heartbreaking mm -hmm. to, to to see that. Well, all I can do is all I can do is me, and you know, they didn't give me a shot, so I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do, and yeah. you know my. Hopefully that 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 changes at some point. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing, and my my mission is to encourage little black little black girls to go into the profession of music education and be be dope band directors that create dope musicians that that shell out more music ed students. You know, so it's their law, by the way. It, it's complete their it's, law. Yes, uh, I just. When I read that, I really got angry, angry, and it it brings to the point of what are we teaching our young black children that they can't even go to a school that is designated for them and they're mm -hmm. still not represented, and and this is. Also, for me, I, TikTok, I'm always on TikTok and always scrolling, but one um, TikTok came up and it was talking about, you know, being a gay Black person at an HBCU is not always, you know, quite, you know, acceptable, but that goes into Black community structure and things like that. Which that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day, but it's like, 
if I can't even go to a place where I'm supposed to feel comfortable and supposed to feel welcomed and I'm not getting that, where the hell am I supposed to go? And the people that are in these positions now really need to sit at a table and listen to these perspectives because you are not, you are not getting the next generation of people. One, you're not getting them at all. Like you're not reaching to them. So they're not going to reach back. They're not going to come to you. They're, they're not going to feel, you know, your ensembles because they do not feel welcome. And mm-hmm. it goes back to the representation matters. And, and it's just very frustrating at that. But again, it is their loss because now you are, are at Oklahoma State and you are going to change lives there. And who knows where your journey will lead past this. But I know for a fact you have changed our lives on this podcast today, talking with you. And so, um, and I wanted to bring up this one little fact here in reading your dissertation. You were the only female, uh, Black female band director of 34 schools in District 3 in Florida. Mm -hmm. And I taught in District 19 uh, in Florida as well. And my time teaching in Florida, the lack of uh, diversity and representation uh, there, and I know you are Floridian. I'm sorry, I'm a Georgia boy. I, I was, I was yeah. not happy whatsoever. And I, I, this podcast is like a journal for us because yeah. last season or the past two seasons, while I was teaching down there, I, I voiced that opinion a lot. Mm-hmm. From the repertoire that is on the FBA music list to the people that are in charge, mm-hmm. Dr. Shelby Chipman, who who's I think now past president, but still like the people who are in charge. I, what is this? What is this? So, how do you feel as a as a person who who are now in this music uh, field and really changing lives? your intersectionality, how has that changed your perception of music education? Well, I had to make myself aware of some of the things that I didn't, I didn't know. Doing this, doing this research over the last year, my eyes, yes, it was all from my perspective, but but even, even some of the things that I, that I, that I found, I was like, yeah, I mean, you need to do, you need to do better. You need to do better at this, you need to do better at this. Um, and so now I bring all of that to everything that I, everything that I teach. So like I'm teaching the marching band methods, methods class right now. And we just had University of Arkansas Pine Bluff come, come into town. Mm-hmm. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been showing them different videos of different you know, schools from different conferences and, you know, talking about the differences in how their show design, you know, how they march, you know, song selections, things of that, things of that nature. And obviously I'm, I'm, I'm well, I'm versed in the, I never know what, what to call, I hate show style. I hate that term with every fiber of my being. Mm-hmm. Everybody, it's a show, so everybody's a show, a show band. I mean, right. but HBCU marching bands, you know, I'm well versed in 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 that. 
Um, I did that. Worked with marching chiefs at Florida State, so you know I, I know that side of things. But then you got the Big Ten, you got the Big Ten stuff. You got, you know, Pac-12 is is a different alien over there, you know. Um, and so just exposing them to different things. And so like we're on the fit, we're 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 lining up on the back sideline while Arkansas Pine Bluff is on the on the on the field. And they were like, you know, what's the biggest what's the biggest difference between HBCU bands and and PWI? PWIs. And I'm like, number one, the level of energy that you put into the show and the intensity that you play with. And so it was, it was interesting. Like I had my students walking past me on the field last night. I was like, Dr. Moore, I get it. I get, I 100% get it. Cause they like going ham on the field. Yeah. Um, but, so, but that like, I don't know that that would have been introduced. Like those type, those different cultures would have been introduced to those students if I wasn't there to 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 show them that that's it's not a priority because I mean over here you don't get that very much I mean there's and the respect and the respect uh the respect of it that's the big thing because I I mean we've talked about it uh because me and Michael we we're always blasting Southern Southern University like that yeah. I just we love us uh, some Southern and there were some band directors um who were like what is that First of all, I change the tone. That's what you finna do. Change your tone. That's what I know you're finna do. So, like respect. I love that you are you are you know exposing your students to this to respect this art just as much as we work during you know doing this. They go hard just as much, if not more. Yes. So you right. have to respect that, and I I love that you're doing that. And I'm and I'm very candid with them, and and like when I show them schools from different places you know i say one of the things i say at the beginning of every class don't let my bias be your bias that's a that's a madsenism that i will not clifford madsen i don't know if y'all ever heard of him um but i, I will take that with me wherever i go every student i teach because I, I know that i have some biases mm -hmm. I think I think the March 100 is the best marching band in the world like uh -huh. that there's nothing you're gonna do to change that but I, I believe in that philosophy, but I also understand that other people have different philosophies of sound and different philosophies of show, of show design that they love and adore. And I can, res I can respect that. I may not like it, but I, I respect that. It's just, it's different from my, we talk about perspectives a ton in, in, in my class. And we've had some discussions on, you know, how how they rent, how their high school band programs were run, and, you know. And there's been some there, there's been some difference of opinions, and some of those discussions have gotten a little heated. I'm like, I want y'all to stop, and I want you to think about what somebody else in the class just said, mm. and I want you to think deeper than what your initial thought is. Mm. Stop listening to respond and listen for the understanding in in what they're saying. Yes, you ain't gotta agree with it, but I just want you to take a second and just. Just think about it. How could that could that make sense to you? Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love that. And and that that's where I, that's where I come from. I, I don't like lecturing. I like to, I like for my students to do a lot of a lot of the talking. I like to guide the guide the discussion in, in our class. And maybe marching band methods hasn't been a discussion based class in, in in previous years. I know I don't think mine mine wasn't a discussion based class for sure. I, I think about it from a philosophical standpoint point you have to know what you value in this part of your program mm -hmm. so that you can you, you know you can disseminate the information you want your students to know in a way that is is 
that the students know that you care about them first as humans. That just, that, that like hits like a, like something. So like me and Anthony and me and Lauren and me, Anthony and Lauren, like the, the different combinations you can create with us three talking <laughs> always get to the point, like me and Anthony, because we've been teaching a lot together recently again. Well, I actually for the first time, like, like co-teaching and all that stuff. And it's been great. But like, we also talk about like our colleagues in the field, either older, younger, by the way, everybody, I know I'm 24. You ain't got to tell me I'm 24. I know my age. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter your age. It matters if you can do the job. Anyways, I got to put on that soapbox real quick. But like me and they were talking one night with leaving 1am going to go cook out or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, people don't have what we have in the terms of like this repeated back and forth of like discussing different pedagogies, discussing different biases, discussing different um, philosophical things, discussing different ways of attacking things Mm -hmm. to then get some response back and like destroy what you think was correct. And then maybe rethink it. And it shows when you see people in positions, they're like, this is the way. And we're, and I'm like, no, it's not. But you don't have those colleagues and you're creating this perfect environment. You don't have the people you went to school with. Y'all didn't go back and forth and debated and argued and thought differently, but then defended your point, but then heard the other person's point. Because like when an argument or debate gets heated, that means there's passion in the room. And I love it. Mm-hmm. Because they are so passionate about their side, but then you made them flip their perspective. Like, look at where this, and then he, that opens up like, oh, but there's so many people in the world of band directors. I feel like sometimes they get like smushed in their one school, their one region. We can talk back and forth. We're not competing against each other. All of our same thing is to create the love of music and to continue that. It's not to beat your band on this Saturday and beat your band. And it's to make music education better. Mm-hmm. And I feel like not enough people talk to each other and talk through what they're trying to do to then create something better for their students. And I, I love that you're doing that in your class, because then like imagine the networks that would have been created in all of our classes that we took, like the stronger network, even the people you weren't really friends with. Oh, he had this perspective. Let me go talk to him. I haven't talked to him in a while, but I'm struggling with this part of my program and he had this different perspective maybe we can chap it up again and see if i can make something new in my program to make the students want to do this again mm-hmm. so i i just want to mention that i love that mm-hmm. in a very long-winded way i again um just seeing you you know, teach and, and do great things is such an inspiring an inspiring thing. And I'm just so glad that you had time today to join us on our podcast because it has completely been a treat. I know I've, you know, written down some things and um, I have also read the first 24 pages of your dissertation because that's the only thing I could download. So if you do have the full thing, please can you just send it our way because it it is such great reading and great knowledge. And um, some of the, the people that you uh, interviewed have been on the podcast and we know them. So it, it's, it is great. And I'm so glad that you were one of the people to just say, we need to talk about this because this is an issue, because this is my issue. 
I am living this. So I am the expert to, to speak on these issues. So thank you so much for doing that work. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's how we're going to end our episode today. Thank you again for all of our listeners. Um, please, please check out uh, Dr. Moore. We will link all of her things down below. Um, and please follow, like, subscribe to Relative Pitch. And if you have anything or comments about anything we said, please drop them down below in the comments. We'll love to discuss um, on our next episode. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day.